Howdy, folks. It's Thursday, April 7th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Hustle writer Juliette Bennett-Ryla, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. Later in today's episode, I love mushrooms. Do you love mushrooms? Yes, uh, one of my favorites, for sure. Well, a lot of other people do, too. Mushrooms are a $13 billion industry, and now there's a popular digital marketplace for them that's growing like a fungus. How did it start? How does it work? And why is it so popular? We're going to discuss. But before we get into that, we've got some funny things on the docket today. So here are a few things you should know. Let's get crackalacking. What are you looking at, Juliet? I'm looking at short-ass movies. Netflix has added a category called short-ass movies, inspired by Pete Davidson's recent sketch on Saturday Night Live. And I think it's pretty clever. So the sketch itself was in the form of this music video, and he's like rapping about how when he's looking for something to watch on Netflix, he doesn't want to watch, you know, like a three-hour epic. He wants to watch a short-ass movie. (laughs) I do too. And later, he also talks about needing bathroom breaks during the Batman, which is currently screening in theaters only with a runtime of two hours and 56 minutes. It is playing across the street from my house, and I haven't gone and seen it because I don't want to sit still for three hours. So I get it. But I like that they capitalized on this because it's funny. It's topical. I clicked it. I'm probably going to now watch The Rental this weekend because I like scary movies and Alison Brie. And I looked at some average movie runtime data, and it turns out that in 2017, Netflix originals had an average length of just 97 minutes. So it's actually a good opportunity for Netflix to promote its own stuff, which will likely go in there because it's nice and short. What have you got your eye on today, Jacob? So one thing I've been following is the rise of VR comedy. Hmm. So virtual reality is an odd thing because on the one hand, headset sales were up 92% last year to 11.2 million units. And Meta has more than six times the job openings for Oculus, its VR division, than for Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp combined. And on the other hand, it's a complete joke, uh, like literally (laughs) There's this new medium known as VR comedy that's trending, has about 30 million views. The hashtag has about 30 million views on TikTok. And it consists of basically these oddball interactions between people in the metaverse. So I was kind of just looking into who these comedians are. There's two groups that seem to be the biggest. One is, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, it's either Hummies or Humies VR comedy, which has 400 and 57,000 TikTok followers, almost 15 million views on YouTube. Another, which is Mary VR Pranksters, they describe themselves as just three guys who do voices and characters and mess with people in VR. That's like their description on YouTube. And these videos are just of ridiculous, ridiculous things. One I saw was about this session in a, a virtual courtroom, which is just as you'd expect it to be, completely no order in the court. Right, right. And they have these hilarious arguments with other people in VR about whether you can get paper cuts in VR. <laughs> they throw things at different people. There's also, you know, Meta has their own employees, these guides that will just hang out in these virtual worlds to help people show them around. And they just have hilarious discussions with these guides, bugging them, messing around with them. And we linked to a lot of these videos in the newsletter today, so check it out. My thoughts on this are the bits are funny, but they're especially hilarious when you just consider the fact that these interactions are between like legless avatars who are controlled by real people, all of whom are speaking into a a 
one pound hunk of plastic strapped to their heads. Yeah. I had a friend who got really into producing VR theater over the pandemic. And I remember one time I, I went to one of her shows and I think I was just like a floating ball, but she was a teddy bear. And then she's like, oh, hey, come on, come over here and jump up on this castle made out of Lego blocks I made or something. And it's just like, this is the first time I've seen my friend in, you know, a year and she's a teddy bear encouraging me to run around a dollhouse or something. Like <laughs> the situation itself is absurd. So I imagine there's a lot of room for jokes. Yeah. Is there anything else you've been looking at today? Yes, I have been following Twitter's developments, which have been ongoing the last week, specifically around the implementation of an edit button. So Twitter tweeted out that it is developing a feature that will allow users to edit tweets after they've been posted. Obviously, uh, this follows Elon Musk revealing a 9.2% stake in the company and asking his followers in a poll on Twitter if they want the feature. And the poll got almost four and a half million votes, 74% in favor. But this is actually a really interesting challenge, implementing an edit button on Twitter. It's a lot more complex and there's a lot more at stake than just giving users a way to edit a spelling error. Twitter's head of consumer product, Jay Sullivan, said they've been exploring it since last year, that it's long been one of the most requested features. But, and I quote, without things like time limits, controls, and transparency about what has been edited, edit could be misused to alter the record of public conversation. Mm -hmm. And protecting the integrity of that public conversation is our top priority when we approach this work. And also just in terms of the technology and the design with things like embedded tweets, retweets, I mean, this has got to be a really complicated feature to build well. Right. And I remember, I think Facebook had a similar feature at some point. And then I remember people would make a status that was like, I'm having a great day and it would get 30 likes and then they would change it to, I love, I don't know, something offensive. And then it would look like all these people liked it. So I <laughs> I, yeah. I see the issue, although, yeah, I would love an edit <laughs> button just to quick fix a typo. Exactly. In other news, emoji reactions are coming to Google Docs. Fed officials plan to shrink the balance sheet by $95 billion a month. And the city of Miami kicked off a major cryptocurrency conference by unveiling its rival to Wall Street's charging bull statue, its own robo-looking crypto bull. <laughs> so check that out. I mean, it's classic Miami. And now I think it's time to talk about mushrooms. What do you say? Yeah. So people love mushrooms. And today, just to be clear, we're going to talk about the eating kind, not the tripping kind. Was, um, <laughs> today. 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 Although, you know, that's another hot market that I'm sure we will be discussing in the future. But today <laughs> we're going to talk about regular old mushrooms that you eat and put in soup and on your salads. So apparently foraging got kind of big during the pandemic. People were like, yeah, it sounds great to go walk around the woods and look for flowers that I can eat. And interest kind of blossomed on Twitter. Same with the VR comedy, like, you know, the hashtag yeah. blew up and now there's these knowledgeable creators with these huge followings. I was looking at one the other day, Alexis Nelson. She has something like 3.4 million followers and she's absolutely delightful. Mm. So there was this app that I was reading about in TechCrunch. It's called Forage. One of the founders, Jack Hamrick, was looking to buy a chicken of the woods, which is apparently this big orange mushroom and a lot of people think it tastes like chicken. So it's really popular in like vegan, vegetarian dishes. Anyone who just doesn't want to eat a lot of meat. Sure. So then he connected with this other guy, Andy Connor, and he was trying to unload 10 pounds of seaweed that he had somehow collected. Right. Because that's what people have <laughs> on hand. 
Exactly. So together, they launched this digital marketplace in 2021. It has sellers in five countries. And when you go on there, there's all sorts of stuff you can find. There are, yes, a lot of mushrooms, but there's also herbs and spices and oils and tinctures. And there's also a big recipe section. They were telling TechCrunch their sales are growing 434% quarter over quarter. And the way that it works is someone applies and says, hey, I'm a forager. They vet them. They put them on the platform, set them up with their little storefront. And right now they're taking 10% per per order. The average cart total is about $120. Wow. Yeah. Some of these things are expensive. I I didn't find a lot of people who were like full-time foragers, but some of these mushrooms are really expensive. There's a guy who was saying he makes about $200 an hour selling mushrooms for chefs who have, you know, those woods or fields to table restaurants where they just want to impress people with the produce that they have. Yeah, well, we'll have to try it out. Mm-hmm. And bada bing, bada boom. That is it, folks. For more on the Hustle's tech and business coverage and links to all kinds of cool stuff from around the web, check out our newsletter at thehustle.co. Thanks to our editor, Ezra Trupiano and executive producer, Darren Clark. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla. You've been listening to The Hustle Daily Show brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. See you tomorrow.